Gospel Story podcast. We're at episode six, uh, The Return of the King. And if you've uh, kept up with us so far, uh, we've covered a large section of the Bible story. We started with creation, learning about who God is. We learned about uh, humanity's fall into sin, the quest for autonomy. We learned about how God redeemed a people in Israel. He called out a nation, and uh, he, he worked with people through covenants, promises he made to them. And we learned about the coming of the one who is promised in Jesus and, and the kingdom that he brought for us today and how we fit into that in the church. And so today we, we get to wrap up the story, as it were, with uh, how does the story end? And when we come to the end of the story, uh, I think there's a lot of mystery. I'm here with Dr. Jack again. Uh, there's a lot of mystery that, that happens uh, around the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. As soon as you mention the book of Revelation, a lot of people have a lot of different thoughts oh, yes. about what's in the book of Revelation. Lots of charts, lots of timelines, lots of strange animals and mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of fantasaical language. Like It can seem really strange to us mm-hmm. as we approach the end of the story. And so it may be a helpful question to ask as we approach this part of the story is, um, how is Revelation... Uh, drawing on themes and ideas from the rest of the story as it concludes the story. Mm. Uh, what, what is Revelation contributing to the large, larger story that we've been looking at? Um, so as we get into that, you know, how, what's kind of the nature of Revelation? What are some of the ideas we see? Um, how does it contribute to the story of Revelation, or the, the story of Scripture, rather? How, how would you start to think through yeah, some of those, no. those pieces? I, I think the story format that we've been playing with over these past few podcasts, and if you've been reading along with us, uh, really does put Revelation in a much more understandable light than uh, perhaps in any other approach. And uh, when we think about the book of Revelation, it is a very unique book for for many reasons. And uh, But, you know, if we just think about a couple of things that might help us in getting a better handle on the book of Revelation, I would say, number one, keep in mind, this is a book that was written by the Apostle John when he was on the Isle of Patmos. Um, And while he's writing, Domitian is the emperor in Rome. Lots of persecution going on during that time. And he's writing to a group of churches in Asia Minor. And you see those churches listed in Revelation 2 and 3. But first and foremost, just think of it as a letter. Here's a letter written from an apostle to a group of churches in Asia Minor. Okay, And if you look at the beginning of the book, you look and compare that with the end of the book, it's got a greeting, and then it's got a final you know, salutation and, and so forth. So think about it that way. Second, think about the book of Revelation as a prophetic letter. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's lots of prophecy mm-hmm. in the book, but... We always need to approach Revelation with the reminder that we have from the Old Testament that uh, prophecy is both proclamation as well as uh, a prediction of the future. And so you have a little bit of both going on. The early chapters of the book are much more exhortational. They're more um, proclaiming, kind of exhorting the churches and then the latter half of the book, say chapters four on, mm-hmm. really do focus on what the Lord Jesus will do in the coming days mm-hmm. as history is brought to a culmination. And then I would say that the third thing to keep in mind that might help us 
and equip us to better understand the book of Revelation is to understand that it is apocalyptic literature. And apocalyptic is a literary type that you see in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Hmm. You see a little bit in the book of Ezekiel. And then, of course, the best New Testament example of it is what we have in the book of Revelation. So there's a literary type that uses images, um, kind of, you know, almost borders on fantasy. There are angelic messengers that are used and uh, in order to communicate the, the prophecy. And apocalyptic literature has embedded in it an apocalypse. Hmm. You know, there is a sort of this cataclysmic end, this hmm. explosion of everything and this, you know, destruction and then a, a new creation that hmm. follows it. So I think those things can help us navigate um, how we read and understand the book of Revelation. It's a letter written to a group of people. It's prophetic, yes. It's apocalyptic, definitely. But though, none of those things should really push us back. Hmm. And so now I think the next thing is some of the big ideas hmm. that sort of navigate us through. Does that help, Ben? Do you think that is yeah. a good... Um, sort of a format to think about the letter? Yeah, I do. I think uh, uh, as we look at any good story, we love a good ending to a story. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, as humans, I think there's something in us that we're fascinating, fascinated with what happens at the end of time. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that's been written, a right. lot of movies that have been made, uh, wondering about what, what the apocalypse will be like. What, what happens? Mm-hmm. What, how does the world end? When does the world end? What does mm-hmm. that look like? What happens after that? Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, we, we want to know what's our end. Mm-hmm. Um, will, will wrongs be made right? Will, will suffering end? Um, is there really someone who's in charge mm-hmm. of the world? Like, what does our life look like? And, right. and so I think those are questions we all have. I think if we're not careful, the book of Revelation can be an intimidating book. We can think of it as that, and it can keep us from enjoying right. uh, the end of the story. And right. so I think those are really helpful pieces to encourage us to dig into Revelation, right. to talk about it with people, to read it together. Right. There's that opening promise that right. if blessing. we read the book of Revelation, there's blessing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that's those are helpful thoughts as we approach Revelation to to get us into the end of the story. Mm-hmm. It is a good end that we want to read about. And Revelation does really position us in the timeline. We've been talking about the Bible storyline from creation all the way to the consummation of time. And so here the book is really showing us that um, we are living in that sort of parenthesis, interregnum, um, you know, hiatus between the um, historic death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the promise of the Lord's return. Hmm. And so so how do we live life in the midst of our rhythm and routine of you know everyday activity? Does the book of Revelation in any way, shape, or form inform us mm-hmm. about how to live? And uh, I think it does. I think, I think seeing Revelation as this sort of uh, culmination to the storyline does have a great uh, and significant impact on how we're living in the moment. Mm. And I think it does that by hitting us with a couple of big ideas Mm. or presenting to us a couple of big ideas. I think first and foremost, the book opens with this idea that it is a revelation of Jesus Christ 
We could also translate that a revelation from Christ. But the idea that Jesus is the subject, he is the uh, ultimate proclaimer of what is God's sovereign plan and purpose. Mm. And so it is a book that unveils Christ. It reveals Christ to us. And uh, throughout the entire book, whatever section you are in, you see this glorious presentation of Christ. I love in those opening chapters of 4 and 5 where, well, actually chapter 1, and then you come to the end of the uh, letters to the church in chapter 4, chapter 5, you see this just celebration, Mm -hmm. this glorious reflection on the person and the work of the redemptive Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you see him unveiled, you Mm -hmm. see him revealed, you see him righteous, glorious, um, holy, and I think ultimately what we see is that God wins. Hmm. You know, there, you know, whatever force of evil might be out there that wants to resist the glorious um, sovereign Christ, it's not going to survive. Hmm. And so you see that mindset. So I think in terms of informing the story and equipping us, we get this really healthy consistent view of the person of Christ Mm. that we've been reading about through the scriptures. And we see, we have confidence that this story may be terrifying and disturbing, but there's ultimately going to be the most righteous outcome to it. Mm. So what I'm hearing, I think that's a great point. I think it's a helpful principle as we read through Revelation Mm -hmm. to it's so easy to get distracted by seals and bulls right. and wild beasts and mm-hmm. all kinds of different things happening uh, to, to look for what what are we learning about Christ? How is Christ being revealed? Um, what is Christ doing? Uh, what's the end goal here? I think that can be a helpful thing to help us get through some of the sometimes difficult things we don't know everything about uh, is, is what, what are we seeing Christ uh, doing and who he is and what people are doing to him and how people are responding to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's a great point. And then I think, too, the fact that God triumphs overall. I think to the original audience, that's certainly an encouraging uh, idea. You know, they're they're fighting persecution, they're suffering. And to hear, at the end of all things, God wins. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to us, I think in our day, uh, as we face different discouraging points in life, right. different seasons in life, different things going on in our world, um, the reminder that God triumphs in the end, right. uh, that's really encouraging. Oh, it is. And that can that can be something as we read through Revelation uh, that can be really hopeful to us as mm-hmm. we read through it. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think those are great points. Yeah. Um, what else do we see as our big ideas? Yeah, the other thing uh, along this line in terms of the unveiling of Christ, I, I would just, maybe it's it's related, but I would just say the book definitely emphasizes the sovereign righteous activity of Christ. Mm-hmm. And just as you were commenting, you know, uh, even though we're not under Domitian being persecuted as those early churches were, uh, we do suffer the injustices and the sinful effects of life today, and we can be easily discouraged, but we need to keep our focus on the outcome, the end. That gives us perseverance. Mm. And, um, and I think um, also we see this um, emphasis on God's sovereign protection of his righteous children through suffering. Mm. And uh, the overcomer is a big theme that we read about in the book of Revelation. And we see how God enables his 
children to overcome, to endure, and to ultimately uh, realize the full end of their salvation in the coming day. Hmm. So uh, very, very helpful. And again, I think uh, you've done this quite well, Ben, along the way, just keeping us focused on relating the story to the moment, to the immediate, and you know, just thinking about the nature of Christ, his work in redemption, and ultimately in warfare, if we could say it that mm-hmm. way, in victory, cosmic warfare and victory over the devil and his kingdom, mm-hmm. that uh, that trickles right down to today's life concerns. Mm-hmm. And I, I think as we meditate on that more intentionally, we can enjoy that more more deeply. Mm-hmm. So you know, one of the things that uh, I know our textbook has done, and as we've thought through the story there's a lot of contrasting, a lot of parallels between Revelation and Genesis. You know, the, think of the beginning and the end. Right. Um, as we think through that, I think in my own mind, one of the, the big pieces, uh, you, know, you start out in a garden and you end in a city in, yeah. in New Jerusalem. So yeah. there's, there's uh, a progression in the story there. But you, know, you think in the Garden of Eden, you had uh, this idea the ideal situation where God is dwelling with man. He's mm-hmm. walking with Adam. He's talking with Adam. He's in the garden with them. Mm-hmm. And there's this closeness of spaces where, where God is in man's space and how wonderful that would have been. Mm-hmm. And then at the fall, that's broken. Yes. And, and now God is separated, um, you know, out of necessity of, you know, man's you know, survival. God is separated from man. Um, man is not able to be in God's presence. He's not able to enjoy that presence like he did. And really, you know, you could one way of viewing the rest of the story is um, God coming closer to man. And so, in the tabernacle in Israel, yeah. you know, He comes down to man, mm-hmm. uh, but but only one man for a limited amount of time once a year is actually able to experience that. Mm-hmm. And you know, so that it's not quite as good as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately, you know, it crescendos in you know, the temple, but then ultimately crescendoing in Jesus, mm-hmm. the word mm-hmm. um, is made flesh and he dwells among us mm-hmm. and how glorious that is. Um, but he's coming for a reason to suffer for us mm-hmm. in order to enable us to actually uh, be reconciled to God. And so he ascends to heaven and we are given the spirit. And we now live in that stage where the spirit is in genuine believers. The spirit of God is in us, which is an amazing reality, but Mm. we still war with sin. Um, But now in in Revelation, especially in Revelation 21, you get this beautiful picture uh, of of God uh, coming down to man and his dwelling place being with man. Mm -hmm. And and his presence will never leave again. Mm -hmm. His presence is full and entire, and we're able to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what a beautiful ending to that, where where now we are we are back to where we were originally made to be, which was enjoying God's presence um, fully. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one one theme you can trace through from yes. the beginning to the end. Yeah, well said. I know there are other themes. What what are some other themes that you know yeah. correlate Genesis to Revelation? Yeah, uh, and a lot of there have been a few scholars that have um, really dug into this and have outlined it nicely for us. And, and so we have um, studies in protology, you know, the former things, the first things, a study of the first things, and then eschatology, a study of the last things. Hmm. So one scholar has put together this nice little sort of c- contrast comparison, sort of beginning and end look. And if you think about in Genesis, just as you were reflecting on, we have the first rebellion. Hmm. 
then in the book of Revelation, we have the last rebellion Hmm. and the putting down. So there's the entrance of sin, uh, as we find in the book of Genesis, Hmm. and then we have the exit of sin Hmm. in the book of Revelation. And then in Genesis, we see the imposition of the curse that Hmm. comes with rebellion and disobedience and uh, violation of God's word. And then we see the Lord as the conquering warrior coming back in the book of Revelation, removing the curse. Hmm. And then we have in Genesis, the beginning of death. Hmm. And then in Revelation, the end of death. And then the creation of the new heaven and or the creation of the heaven and the earth, I should say the original heaven and earth in Genesis. And then in the book of Revelation, the creation of the new heaven and the new earth. So Hmm. if you think about those comparisons, you think about rebellion, all right, sinful rebellion, which is, you know, creation fall, Hmm. and then entrance of sin, you know, the consequences or the outcome or the deadly effects of it. And then we saw through the history of Israel, Hmm. as well as in our current day, the imposition sort of of the, the curse or the effects of sin. And we saw death, worked out through every stage of the story and the consequences of death. And then we come to the book of Revelation and we see all of that brought to a fitting conclusion Mm -hmm. and then the creation of the new heaven and the new earth. And just as you were so beautifully describing, just that that presence of the glorious Christ and Mm -hmm. our being in fellowship, being in presence Mm -hmm. with him and enjoying that, that life in this new creation apart from sin, rebellion, curse, and death. Hmm. I think it's interesting. You know, the garden starts out in a garden, Garden yeah. of Eden. And it starts out with one man and one woman. And at the end, we're given this picture of a city and a people. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the story, there's been a progression. And now at the end, uh, it, it's a beautiful picture. And it, it opens a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is, you know, we, we've pointed out, this is the beauty of narrative is it raises questions for right. us to think about. Right. And, you know, one of the questions is, well, like, what does life look like in the future? Right. And and there's all kinds of speculations. Yeah. And I think those are really fun to think about. You know, right. what what will our lives be like? I think sometimes we tend to think of heaven uh, as, you know, us sitting on clouds, playing harps, singing for all of eternity. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, that, you know, that's comical in some ways. But, you know, thinking through what what God made us originally to be was mm-hmm. to work, was mm-hmm. to subdue his creation, have authority over it, to make his glory known among the earth. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to think through what, yeah, what yeah. that will look like in the new heaven and new earth. Right. Um, you know, we're not just going to be floating around in space. Hopefully, you know, I think we can we can put a couple pieces together as what, what life will look like in the new heaven and new earth. Right. Um, it will be productive. It will be fulfilling. It will be joyful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think those are different pieces we can start to piece together as what what life will look like after life now. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it's almost like sort of getting that snapshot of what we have in Genesis 1 and 2 in creation mm-hmm. and then seeing that sort of transported to the end of the book mm-hmm. of Revelation. And maybe that's a better picture mm-hmm. of what life is going to be like in the new heaven and the new earth. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, Adam and Eve didn't get to enjoy that period of time all too long. Mm-hmm. But in the new heaven and the new earth, with the implementation, of the new covenant and all of the blessings and promises that have been articulated through the contours of the Old and New Testament, we can, we can live this life without, you know, fear of sin, death, rebellion, mm. curse, judgment, those mm. kinds of things. So, mm. yeah, I, I think that 
This is where I think the value of Revelation comes in, seen in the context of the story, not just isolated as this, as this apocalyptic book that has some fanciful ideas about the end times. Mm. But no, here is a, a very appropriate, uh, well-written, prophetic, apocalyptic letter that, that ties it together mm. and brings a fitting conclusion to this whole storyline mm. and uh and it perhaps is much more realistic than than we would like to think mm. or have thought yeah and i think uh, it's a happy ending yes but there's also a sobering warning yes. too uh you know any good story ends with uh the the injustice being done away with uh, the enemy being put down and and i think in this story in the true story you have at the end of time um, all wrongs being made right, mm-hmm. all uh, enemies of God being subdued and put down. And and there's joy for those of us who are in Christ mm-hmm. in that sin is put away. Um, but I think there's also a sense of urgency to this story. Right. Uh, the end for those who oppose God is not a happy ending. Right. Um, they will be judged forever. Uh, there's punishment for those who oppose God and his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, and I think as we think through the end of the story, there should be something that, that ignites us to go and proclaim this story. Right. Um, we, we, don't, we, we, we want people to know God and to enjoy his presence. And, and there are many who are living around us who mm-hmm. haven't heard the story mm-hmm. yet mm-hmm. and aren't, aren't living for God's kingdom yet. And that should urge us to go and proclaim this story to them because the end is coming. Right. And unless they uh, turn from their sin and, and live for God's kingdom, um, they will be judged. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a, you know, it's happy, but it, there's also an urgency, yes. a sense yes. of final judgment that can't be undone that we want to think through as we get to the end of the story. Right. No, I think that is um, something that, that really does help us see our role as on mission with God. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we've tried to emphasize both in the class and on the, in the podcast, is that being on mission with God is um, it, it it overarches or it transcends whatever vocation or life routine or marketplace kind of experience we have. Uh, we all are on mission with God, not the not just the paid staff at mm-hmm. a local church. Mm-hmm. It, we're all on mission with God, and we need to see ourselves as a vital piece in this story of proclaiming mm-hmm. the the righteousness, the glory, and the justice of God. And I think uh, as we proclaim, perhaps we suffer as a result of proclamation. Perhaps we lose some leverage or clout in the marketplace or in relationships or with family. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that, uh, that or perhaps we, we lament life's injustices, mm-hmm. um, life's you know, sinful um, effects. effects. Um, we know that those things will all be cared for in the very end. But I, I like your word, and I, I think it's very appropriate, that uh, the book of Revelation, seen in the context of the beginning and the end, really does strike a healthy sense of urgency mm-hmm. to be you know fully engaged in being on mission with God. Mm-hmm. And that's not uh, you know we're not trying to um, beat anybody up or guilt trip mm-hmm. anyone but just see yourself where you are. Just mm-hmm. see yourself in the story and what God has called us to do and to see what God will ultimately do in the story. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. hope, warning, sobriety, glory. Mm-hmm. 
the uh, all of those words seem to come together and find a nice place in the puzzle mm. as a result of uh, seeing revelation in connection with the whole story. Mm. And we, you know, we we don't have time to unpack all of the different themes. Part of our uh, desire in creating this is to to whet your appetite to go read Revelation, right. uh, to go study it, to talk about it with friends, right. to look for yourself and to enjoy uh, the fruit of studying Scripture on your own and together with friends. And so hopefully you know, you'll go and read Revelation and, and find other themes that glorify God and to see how it ties into the story and to rejoice and to have that urgency to, to figure out how you would proclaim Revelation to an unbeliever. I think that, that's a challenging piece. How would you... How would you explain Revelation to someone who's never heard the story uh, in in a succinct few minutes? That's a hard challenge to think through that together. um, We encourage you to do that. That, That's a benefit of of studying scriptures, working through it together. And so really the the end of the story is fitting. Mm -hmm. There's no loose threads at the end of this story. It all comes to a close with uh, God being glorified and his people being happy in him. Mm-hmm. And, and what an incredible ending that we have to look forward yeah. to yeah. And, and what joy that should give us today. Absolutely. Thank and, you so much oh, you're welcome. for Thank your you, work. Ben. I feel yeah. like you've, you've done so much work for us here in Revelation. you have any final thoughts? No, I was just going to say um, I, I think the goal that we've had in the podcast, this particular podcast, is to just talk about sort of the macro view of Revelation, sort of how you read it, what to look for, and then most importantly, to see how it connects into the storyline. It was not our intention, like you said, to deal with all of the, the judgments. And all of those things are important. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the framework, I think, helps manage those details a little mm-hmm. bit more effectively. So thank you, Ben, mm-hmm. as well. And uh, we've got one more podcast in this series. So we look forward to wrapping it up next week. Mm-hmm.